You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Good morning. <coughs> good morning. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when people read the or yeah, when they listen, morning. it's always in the morning. Yeah, it always hey, me off. hopefully you're having a great experience on your way to work right now. <laughs> 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 Including those like me that work from home. Hopefully you got up, had a good <coughs> night's sleep. Oh, yeah. Blomp, blomp. It's, I mean, I rolled up today. In your work clothes. My work clothes. Of Crocs and sweats. Crocs, sweats, college sweats. And a Columbia t-shirt with the periodic tables of fishing lures on the back. Wait, what? Yeah, it's got the periodic. I got to see this. Peri- periodic table of. What? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's sick. Fishing lures. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do you yeah. you've never seen that before? I have not. No, I need to get me that. I mean, this shirt's old as hell, but yeah, I'm sure you can uh, probably yeah. find it. Oh, I could probably find it. A little bit of a weird day today. <laughs> Why was it so weird? Well, it's uh, you and I, so let, let's see how we would do this if Landon was here. Hi, guys. This is Gabe. To my right yep. is Zach. Uh-huh. Hello. And to Zach's left is me. Is Gabe. So we are, uh, we're, we're trying to hold everything together. Yep. But we have a change of scenery. Yes. We are in, uh, I, I found myself referring to this as my room. Whenever I talk to Kindle about this, I'm Th- like, "This is your room." Yeah, you know, but I'm I'm always like, "Oh, hey, like." Uh, and so I, when we first got it, I wanted to refer to it as the uh, the office. Okay. You know, yeah. it is the office. You had me fooled. <coughs> you said, "Hey, we're gonna do it in the office." I thought it would be like an, an office, <laughs> not a room full of my my crap that I've collected. Yeah, I mean, years. we've got we've got the whole Game of Thrones scotch setup that's yep. over here. Yep. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, baseball hats. Now the hats. Are those places you've been? They are, yep. And actually, I need to get two more hats to finalize the all the stadiums I've been to. What are you missing? Uh, missing Diamondbacks, and I'm missing the Cubs. And then when you all go to oh, the, and Mariners actually. Okay, straight. but so so here's the question: When you guys are going to this, the Bananas game, Savannah Bananas, yep. Are you getting a hat for that? Even I though will, they're kind of, I will get a hat for that. Um, I'll get a hat for that, and then let's see when we go to spring training. I won't get hats, at, or I, I don't know what. I'll probably, I don't know. I don't think I'll get anything there. Outside of the Diamondbacks hat, because we're going to the World Baseball Classic at the okay. Diamondbacks Stadium. So I'll go ahead, since I've already been there, I'll go ahead and knock that one off, too. No, dude, it's a solid room, high ceilings. You got uh, you got uh, your fly fishing rack with six rods, yep. already rigged, making me really nervous because there's a spinning fan. There is, but it's far enough away, and we're not going to touch them. That, yeah, that would just make me nervous, just like how I pop them off and not oh. not hit the fan on there. Yeah, I thought about it a little bit. No, I mean, it looks cooler like that. And it Yeah, it is cool when you walk down the hall, right, and you immediately you just see the rods. You're yeah. like, oh, man, that's sick. No, I guess you're right. As long as you, you pull them off and you don't reach them high, you're good. You still have clearance. Yeah, and I typically turn the fan off, too. But, I mean, like, yeah. nobody plans an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the mantra for the weekend. So this weekend... <laughs> Was Trout Fest. It was, man. It was a great Trout Fest. Trout Fest was, was pretty good. Uh, 
what is Trout Fest for people who... So Trout Fest is our annual festival run put on by Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited. So our Texas chapter um, puts on this festival typically third weekend of February. And a whole bunch of people from the industry get together. They have casting instruction. They have little um, seminars you can go listen in. They kick it off with a banquet. And as Honey Hole, we usually have a uh, a booth or a table there as well as like what this year it seemed like a hundred other vendors yeah it was pretty busy so um it was cool there that early reports and we'll see what grtu says but there was a few thousand people there on saturday alone um believable which this and i know i've been going for the past six years or so and this is probably the busiest i've ever seen it for Mm -hmm. sure you know um and also had as many vendors and i don't know it was just it was Really, a great time. Yeah. Now I rolled up. I can't remember. Did you did you roll up on Thursday or no? I ended up no. I was on, there uh, Friday. Yeah, that's how I don't remember because it was just absolute chaos. Yeah. After my dentist appointment, I pulled uh, up. <laughs> so Thursday, I rolled up uh, with the plans of waking up really early and heading out to to action angler to go fish. And initially, uh, Landon and I were going to get up mm-hmm. uh, and go. So I can't remember. When exactly, I guess it was kind of in the evening, uh, I had my tent caught, which wasn't too bad. It was. I mean, like, we were all in these, like, nice little pop-ups. And, and I was in my tent caught. Now, I, you know, I learned that I was a, a blanket short. but I didn't, first night. I didn't, know, I didn't know I was a blanket short that first night. No. I knew it was a blanket short that second night. Yeah, that second night got down to, like, 31. <laughs> yes. It was. Yeah. Pr- so, you, you had the rain fly on, which was fine. The side, on the inside, it's a mesh bottom with, like, a mat. And you get a little bit of airflow, which is okay, but not when it's thirty some thirty one right, degrees right, outside. Right. And yeah, that, that wasn't horrible, but it is a lot different because the next Saturday, Krista brought me the other missing blanket, put that in there, and that night I literally slept in shorts and I had a fan running. In but it was also fifteen degrees warmer that night too. But still, the fifteen. I mean, uh, if that's where I was then, I knew I would have been really comfortable. Oh if yeah. It was in 31. 30. Yeah. So my fault for, for I was just it's been such a long time since I cracked that thing out. But Friday uh, Thursday we got up. Uh, no, Friday morning we got up. Uh, we went uh, to Sweeties. Uh, I think it's isn't that donuts? Donuts. Yeah. And uh, got some donuts and coffee. And Landon was like, you know, I'm just not feeling 100. percent He went back to sleep, and I went out to action for a couple of hours. Did uh-huh. okay. Water was a little high. Felt like a little blown out that day. Uh-huh. But you caught some fish. Caught some fish. It was pretty. It was okay. Great. Made it back. Uh, Evan was rolling up, and Evan was there with uh, Mary's uh, cookies. Yeah. Which I ate. Mary's w- Mountain Cookies. Way too many cookies this weekend. I did too, and he gave me a few when I left for helping them out. They're big. They are big, and I'm just like, oh, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm. I it's encouraging me to eat way more cookies than I probably need to. And then um, Friday night was the was the dinner banquet. Yeah, because then I rolled up uh, middle of the afternoon on Friday. Mm-hmm. You guys helped me pack, uh, put up my stuff, put up my my camper, my little pop up that I love. And then yeah, we went to the banquet. Yeah, we went to the banquet. Banquet was pretty cool. Uh, ate really well. The food was really good. Um, I think it's they had always really good. Yeah, they had chicken and like a beef tenderloin. Yes. Oh man. Uh, and, and then like the uh, oh, there's potatoes. So the little uh, what do you call it? I guess it's golden. Potato? I don't know. The little small ones. Tiny potatoes. Tiny potatoes. With garlic. Uh, almost kind of like a German potato salad, but not quite because it yeah. was warm and not cold. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, that was solid, really good. So we ate really well. And then proceeded to continue drinking through the evening. Yep. Burnt uh, the midnight oil. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's then, how Friday night always goes, though. And then to do it all again on Saturday. Well, we tr- attempt to do it Saturday night, but then typically people call it early Saturday because of the, the night before. Yeah. So we got, well, yeah. <laughs> but there was your buddy Mike and Jim that were out there pretty. I still, to this day, do not know how the hell they woke up for Saturday morning. Yep. I don't. I honestly, when we, we were talking, oh, we went to at, breakfast. We yeah, went, yeah, yeah. We left at like seven thirty, and they're like up cooking breakfast, moving around. I'm like, I don't understand you know. how they're here right now. How are you dead? How are you not dead? How are you not, you not dead? Yeah. Uh, so shout out to those guys for having yep. a good good time. I felt old. I'm like these guys are, you know, older than I am, and yep. why are they they really knocking it out of the park that evening? Yep. Uh, hey, shout out to David too, who was the guy who was camping next to us in a tent, who oh, yeah. shared his uh, fire with us. Mm-hmm. That was legit, man. It was. And cool. he helps out with uh, the uh, project healing waters. He does. Yeah, he was working their booth, right? Uh, for the Round Rock area or yes. Austin yep. Round Rock area. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was Waco, so it was Austin Round Rock. Yeah. Uh, so he was out there. What? group or what person or what a vendor was out there that you were really excited to see um i just got my bahio glasses so it was cool seeing the bahio truck yeah so bahio was there uh, jay johnson uh, yeah f- for for the uh, for you guys know, uh, know about like trout bomb and stuff like that he was out there uh helping out and running that that uh that truck really yeah. cool guy oh that's a good question though i'm trying to think of who else i was really excited to see um hmm. i really wanted to see Jordaniel. But he got stuck in weather or something, yeah. couldn't make it, which was bummed out about. But and it happens. Yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, Science on the Fly. Okay. Which yeah. you guys as listeners will hear us interview them uh, in a couple of weeks. And they, um, we had just talked with Aggies, um, the Aggie Fly Fishing Club, and they brought up Science on the Fly. And uh, when Chris Johnson was on a few mm-hmm. months ago now, he talked about Science on the Fly and how ins- – like how m- Big of a part they played with the the yeah really instrumental with the brushy creeks yeah stuff. really and so um, being a science teacher I was really uh, interested in talking to them so we did and uh, that was really cool to hear like what they're doing and how their their work is actually like affecting these watersheds mm-hmm. um, so that was that was really cool that was probably the one I was happiest to see when I was there and most excited to talk to yeah no and that. Yeah, for sure. That was pretty good. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Melody from Living Waters. Thank you very much, uh, Melody, for bringing a small little uh, list of stuff that I had asked for that I needed needed to get kind of in uh-huh. a timely matter uh, from the store that she was able to bring down from for like me. materials. Yeah, and stuff. I had a little, little material list that amongst all the stuff that she had to do prepare for this. She she, ho- she helped. She could have just said, "No, Gabe, go fly a kite." You know, <laughs> why are you even messaging me? Uh, no, she was like, "No problem, I got you." That's awesome. So I was like, oh, "Okay, great," because there's there's a couple of thread colors that I even online everyone's out. You of. couldn't find. Yeah, seventy denier uh, UTC in Woodcock. Love that color. <laughs> Love that thread. Uh, and so, you know, again, a couple little things, um, that I got, uh, that, that she got down for me. So again, Melody, thank you very much for doing that. And you guys might remember Melody from the, I think 10 days of Christmas on the living waters, Instagram page. Mm -hmm. 
She's on there. If you'd seen that, that's her absolutely hilarious um, 10 Days of Christmas. And I, I was always excited every day. Like, what does she got now? What's it going to be? Yeah. Not only what is it going to be, but what uh, uh, what uh, what thing is she going to kind of mention in there that's going to yeah. make it pretty funny, um, yeah. which was which was pretty good. But, no, overall, it's pretty good. Uh, got a couple of really good uh, interviews here in the coming weeks. We, I am excited for them, for you guys to hear them because, yeah. Who do you got? Who, uh, who like really Hillary Hutchinson. Okay. Um, I know that we met her a couple of years ago at Trout Fest, and um, I was excited to get her on the podcast, as well as uh, Yako. Um, he has been a part of the fly fishing community, especially here in Texas for the last couple of years, been a part of some of your probably favorite fly fishing films. And, uh, man, I probably could have talked to both of those people for twice as long as we actually got the, the chance to, mm-hmm. um, they were just fun down to earth, man. It was, it, it was great. I, I just, I don't know. I had a great trout fest. I really did. I enjoyed it. The people were fantastic. Everyone's, I feel like. Everyone at Trout Fest was just happy to be at Trout Fest. You yeah. know? Yeah. There's something some of you get you out of the house and, and it felt like everyone who hadn't talked to each other in a while were all congregated in the one spot. Yep. You know. I also think I really enjoyed it that because this year was the first year all of us had <clears throat> like this is the first year I had a pop up there. Mm-hmm. Uh Landon had his trailer. Um, Evan rented a trailer. You had your, your tent, so you're in the area with us. And it was just it was so much fun that like even after the festivities or, like, the nec- the morning before, like, the uh, the vendor fair started, we could all just hang out in one area, which was literally a walk to the, to yeah, the fest. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. honestly, like, being there, doing it that way, I am, like, dying to go next year so we can all rent, you know, four spots right next to each other and just do the same thing again. Yeah, the girls, know? Kendall was there, McKenna came as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I, I know my wife and, and, and kid rolled uh, up on Saturday after yeah. the basketball game. They got to do archery. They had stuff for, the, you know, she uh, caught a trout. Yeah, caught a trout. Just a lot of cool stuff that they could, you know, uh, not just for us, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and, of course, seeing guys like uh, Chris Skinner. Um, oh yeah, with and then uh, uh, Will Zach Will Long was there. Will Long and came he, in all the way from Colorado, man, and he I, he surprised me. I didn't know he was going to be here for this. Yeah, so it was great he, being he, able to talk to he him. He came and catch in, up. and um, uh, I've got a bottle of New Rift from him that uh-huh. we kind of you know I talked about and and uh, made a little nice little tr- even trade on some stuff. Nice. Uh, so I uh, got that because that's I don't have a regular new rift. I just have single barrel ones that were part of like some of the the single barrel groups. A, mine's a single barrel. Yeah, too. Uh, and yours, hey, I believe yours is a single barrel as well. So having just a regular store shelf, I one, don't think I've ever had a regular new rift. Yeah, so we'll we'll look to open up that here soon. Um, but just an overall really cool weekend. I felt like, dude, I was exhausted on Monday, but it's been a while since you had a really good weekend plus one day. Where you just kind of, yeah, you were tired, but you felt like renewed. You know, it, it was, was cool man. I just had a good time. It was so much fun. Ate yeah. too many cookies, but. So with that being said, and no, speaking of drinking a lot, what are we drinking tonight? We are drinking Uncle Nearest, eighteen eighty four, which is a small batch whiskey. Uh, it is ninety three proof. It is uh, distilled and aged in t- Tennessee. It is not a Tennessee whiskey though, so they do not do charcoal filtered. Um, it is made in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and it is um, bottled at a similar proof to what made Nearest's whiskey so beloved. So, now I'm trying to remember: is this the one where the the gentleman 
made his made his whiskey, and then some of the other, you know, um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he was. I don't think he was a slave. Uh, just so much as you know, it was a black gentleman that made whiskey and then shared the recipe uh, to guys like um, not Jim Bean, but uh, like Jack Daniels and those. Is that is that the same one? I'm gonna have to go back and look. Me too. You know what though? Now that you say that, that has got me really curious. Nearest Green was the person's name. Okay. Uh, Nearest Green. Uh. Was a head stiller. Let's see. He was born into slavery Kay. and emancipated after the Civil War. Um, he taught his techniques to Jack Daniel, uh, and he was hired as the first master distiller for Jack Daniels. Um, he is the first African American uh, master distiller on re- record in the United States. Mm-hmm. So that is really cool. I yeah. had never looked it up before. I knew there was a connection there, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah, no, other other than that, it's it is a 93 proof uh it's it's good. It's it's a it's a great sipper. It's not overly fruity and it's not not hot. No, it's not. It, it see for me, everyone tastes things differently. For me, it is a little hot for a 93 proof. It's not it is not as hot as barrel proofs mm-hmm. at all, you know. But when I read ninety three proof on the bottle, I I did expect it to be a little bit, uh, not I don't want to say smoother because it's pretty smooth. Yeah, it's nice. Um, but uh, there is a little bit of a burn, like a back burn there at the end, you it, know. And, and that could be for the fact that you had a uh, Jersey Mike's. Uh, 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 what, what did you have? I had a uh, Philly. A Philly. Yeah. So that could be it too. Like, yeah, it could be. Yeah. It, that wasn't that far along. I right. mean, and it was also second house of sweet tea right before too. Okay, so so, the, so and I I just had I had had a glass already of it with ice, and then the second one I had uh, I I didn't have any ice on it, but all things considered, it's a pretty straightforward one. I wouldn't. It is a great. I would say it's very neutral. Yeah, there's not any one flavor that's like really jumping out. Yeah. It is not. Like you said, it's not very, it's not very fruity. It's not, but it's also not overly oaky or vanilla. Well, especially for ninety three, it's not, it's not too bad. It smells fantastic though. Yeah, like if you smell it, especially without, like, I put a little ice in it now, and it's, it's, you know, it's even calmed down a little bit more. It's, it's great. You know, I think it's a, I want to say it's like a sub sixty five dollar bottle. I didn't think it was too pricey. It's not, but it's also, I mean, it is. Well, you can find it. You can find this bottle. You can. That's the other thing. You can find this thing. Yep, and I've also noticed a lot of people are starting to talk about this bottle a lot. Yeah. You know, like, um, I've had it for a little, probably about a year, and I haven't cracked it open. And now I'm starting to see more and more people being like, oh, yeah, Uncle Nearest. I'm mm-hmm. finding, you know, I'm drinking that. That's my go-to right now. And all this. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. Not, not bad at all. Yep. I would want to open up this again. Or if yeah. Landon get better, we'll make some hot toddies from it. Ooh, mm. yeah. That's what we should have. We just dragged his butt out of bed. Made him a hot toddy. Made him some hot toddies. And then uh, I'm sure he would have been fine. And just been like, hey, man, you're here tonight. <laughs> Were you here when he dropped off the equipment? Yeah. Was he Was he looking okay, or did he look like he'd run a marathon? Uh, he looked like uh, like uh, death on earth. Because yeah. he did go to work today. Yeah, or something. He yeah, was yeah, but he worked a little. He, I believe he worked, worked from home. home. Yeah. Yeah, no, af- after the Sunday one, before right before I left, yep. it looked like, yeah, he was, not that he was hurting, he just looked, he just. 
Yeah. Look rough. You know, the, like, the old grandma fish from SpongeBob in, like, the, <laughs> the, in the chocolate episode who's in the wheelchair? <laughs> Can I have to look that up now? Yeah. No, that's, like, like, when Landy got out of the car, I was like, oh, man, that's, I know where you've been. When so. he got off, I think it was when we were done with Lindsay, he was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, halfway through Sunday, man, after you left, I was like, you going to make it? And he was like, probably not. <laughs> uh, no. landed. Hey, we made it today. Thanks, Landon, for, for dropping out the equipment this axe. We, yeah, we honestly, helped us out a lot. Yeah. Now, so today, um, we have Captain Hansen Lau on. Um, You've known him for a while. I've known him a while, though we, we haven't really been in the same state. Right. You've never met in person. In person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we've we've talked a lot of crap uh, online um, in forums. That's kind of how we met, and we have a couple of buddies that um, you know that that kind of allowed us to meet each other, even yeah. though it's been been online. Um, and so it was pretty cool to reach out to him and say, "Hey, look, we've got this podcast on." I mean, you, you know, you heard in this podcast, he's 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 been a rep for for Howler, for Cortland, for you know. Uh, definitely been around, knows his stuff, not only just in the conventional stuff, but in the fly fishing stuff. So, you know, I wish, you're right, I wish we had more time to talk more about the Honestly, conventional stuff. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, we'll, we'll have to speak with him again, but my first time meeting him, man, I could have, we could have gone yes. a couple hours. Like, it was it was great. It was like old friends catching up. It was, it was awesome. And it was a fun thing when you have mutual friends, especially guys that, that we know in common, as you could, as you could tell during the interview, uh, you know, we covered what manatees. We covered cobia. Uh, using the water, <laughs> using using uh, hot wings for tarpon. Yep. Um, it was gonna be a fun episode, so we definitely hope you guys enjoy. Oh yeah, for sure. Good afternoon. Uh, just want to let you guys know we've got Hansen Lau on, who is a good buddy of mine. We've talked for a long time. This is the first time we're actually chatting. I mean, we share we share the same birthday. I mean, we're we're both good looking. Um, it's Very. just, it's just, a, you know, uh, a, a tough life we've both lived. <laughs> the only difference is, uh, Hansen fishes a lot more than I do. Um, we kind of met through some forums. Uh, we have a couple of buddies in common and, um, yeah, we'll just, Hansen, thank you very much for coming on. Yes. Thank you. Before I go any further, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? It's an honor to be here, Gabe. <laughs> thank and, you. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I, we've met such a long time ago, and we've always bullshitted on different platforms, and now we're here. Sorry, is this a PG? Yeah, you're good, man. Just you're keep rolling. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's your podcast. <laughs> we're right. fine. We've always, we've always, like, you know, chatted and, and um, had a good time on the different message forms and different avenues of social media from pre-social media days. Now here we are, but... Just as an intro, I, I'm Captain Hans Lau. I guide in South Florida. I love the fish. Uh, and uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, you're on the Instagram. You're catching huge tarpon. And, and I think that's the thing. Look, we talk, you know, a lot of the guys that we have on uh, are really from the area. And we don't really discuss a lot of saltwater stuff. You know, we've had... Uh, what captain for clean water? I think is was one of yep. them, but not really mm-hmm. talking about like going out and catching huge tarpon. And um, you know, with that being said, like, how did you? You know, t- t- we have we have a, a common buddy, uh, Ish. We're gonna call him Ish. 
Yeah, he wants to be referred to as Ish. Ish. No, 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 will be reviewed for this. (laughs) And so, uh, Ish, um, who you know invited me on to these forums, and that's again how that's how we met. You know, he gave me a rundown on how you guys met, but. How did you get in? Because you weren't necessarily fly fishing at first. You you were doing a lot of gear. You still do a lot of gear. Uh, and and as we've had other people on, hey, these are just tools. But how did you get into just saltwater in general? And then how did you make that transition over to, to fly fishing? I mean, growing up, I didn't really have parents who really, like, technical fished, right? My parents fished for snappers and groupers and, and food fish. You know, it's kind of a... Uh, kind of a thing they did and an activity they did and naturally it brought me along when I was a kid. So growing up, I've always done all that stuff, you know, and then as years progress, you know, you start hanging out with buddies who fished as well in, in school. And then you also watch all the shows from, you know, Spanish fly, the Walker skate Chronicles, the mm-hmm. sports journal and all that. And, you know, and, Naturally, you're drawn to a certain type of fishing. Mine was, you know, saltwater fishing, light tackle saltwater fishing, and eventually fly fishing. You know, I, I developed a, a um, you know, I developed a, a real um, affinity for, for just light tackle fishing at first. And I was fishing a lot with bucktail jigs. So at some point, I wanted to, to learn how to tie bucktail jigs. So the, the local fair here had, a, had they hosted a... Um, kind of a class to teach you how to build rods and tie jigs. Mm-hmm. I mean, tie flies, actually. Yeah. Use the opportunity to learn how to tie my own bucktail jigs. I was obsessed with, like, you know, the different materials and colors that I wanted to make them. Um, and, it, and that, you know, learning to tie flies with that kind of inspired me to want to pick up a fly rod and, and try this fly fishing thing. So I did, and I picked up a fly rod, caught peacock bass, largemouth bass, this and that, you know, um, snook and dock lights and all that. And then, uh, Eventually, I you know got a boat and all that, and um, I just basically uh, picked up a spinning rod again and, and kind of fell in love with sight fishing more than anything. You know, I knew I wasn't extremely proficient at fly fishing at that time. You know, back then you didn't have the access to all the materials you have access to now, like you know YouTube and right. and uh, you know all that. It was all V8. This is back in the VHS days, right? Pre DVD. Um, so. You know, we didn't really have a lot of that. Um, you know, when DVDs came out, we had Borski Ties Flies, and that inspired yes. me to, you know, <laughs> take fly tying to the next level, Yeah, yeah. Um, learn more about it. But, um, you know, so I was doing a lot of light tackle fishing, a lot of sight fishing with light tackle, and, um, you know, jumped on some forums because that was, you know, a way to learn and network and all that stuff. And if you were bored, you wanted to argue with a few people about certain <laughs> things, argue with a few people, you know, some death threats are thrown around. But, hey, you're hiding behind a keyboard, so who cares, right? Yeah. <laughs> back yeah. then, back then, you know, it was, it was only a few of us. There, there weren't a whole lot of people yet back then. It was like a few niche fishermen. This was a very grassroots deal back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in the last 15, 20 years, it's, it's grown exponentially. But back then, it was just a few people on an Internet forum talking crap. You know, a few threats were sent here and there, but <laughs> at the end of the day, everyone was behind a keyboard and, and nothing happened in person, right? So, you know, you networked a little bit. Um, and eventually, um, I started chatting with uh, with our buddy Ish. Yeah. You know, he had also owned – I owned the Maverick at the time. I still do. But I owned a different Maverick boat at the time, and he also owned the Maverick, so we got to talking about the boats and this and that. 
And I think he was, you know, he knew how gear fished and he was, you know, he's from Texas. Uh, so naturally he's, you know, I guess being, being from where he is, he fly fished a lot. And, you know, he, he was really into waiting. It's funny. He told me a story once. Uh, he went to the Everglades, got on snake bite and thought, just like Texas, let's get out and wade. But soon he discovered our mud is a little bit different. And when he jumped out, he sank to his belly button in mud. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, but I think he was looking for somebody who could push a boat more than anything. He didn't care that I, that I you know, gear fished. I had a fly rod and I fly fished earlier in my career, but I kind of was at that stage where I was like, eh, you know, I kind of wanted to, to, to gear fish and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so we went out, I'd catch a fish on a spinning rod. He'd go catch one on fly. We'd swap back and forth. I can push a boat. He can push a boat. Um, and we had, we had fun talking. We're very alike in, in, um, in the way we approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, our political stance is right there. Same as well. Um, so we had a lot of good conversation on the boat, a lot of good fun. And, um, you know, he's got a sick sense of humor and I was able to take that sick sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, but I remember one time he pulled up to my house and, uh, you know, I was putting the spinning rods in the boat. He goes, no, no, take those things out. Take the crutches out of the boat. We're only fly fishing today. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's what I have in my notes. I have exactly in my notes. He says, ask him about, you know, to take the crutches off. Uh, yeah, yeah my, awesome. my GL3, you know, Loomis rod, and, you know, I had this uh, this uh, old Florida reel back then, which was like, uh, you know, the, the pre-Nautilus fly reel. Um, you know, that cork drags, you had to use, like, neat foot oil to, like, to lube it every once in a while because it would get sticky on you. Anyways, I hadn't used this thing in a while. It was all dusty. It was making all sorts of squeaking noises, but whatever. <laughs> I stuck it in the boat anyways. I was like, all right, I'm down. Uh, so we went out and, you know, I caught, we caught snook and reds on fly. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like this again. Yeah. So then I started picking up the fly rod more and more, um, you know, from then on forward. And here I am now, you know? Yeah, no, that, and that's it, it, it's exactly that. You're, when you're driven about something, you're enjoying something and you go mm-hmm. that. And it, and it's funny you mentioned how, how you and Isher are alike, um, you know, when when he finds something that he really likes or he really wants to try, he you're going to get the full – I don't even need to research anymore. I just ask him, like, hey, what do you think about this? Because he's already done the research and gone through everything. So when when you started in your, in your – your, especially with the fly tying, because that's the one thing I really enjoy watching some of the stuff you're doing on the fly tying and have done in the fly tying. What, what's driving you as you're building patterns, making patterns – you know, what advice would you give to, to guys that are, are, you know, getting into saltwater or in saltwater when it comes to building their fly box? So my idea of fly tying is about presentation, right? Everything is presentation. You know, you can tie a fly that looks real pretty with a ton of material on it. And if it doesn't sink and a fish in the inferior feeder, you know, where the mouth is pointing downwards, you're, you're not going to be doing much. You know, you're fishing a lot of current. By the time the fly hits the water three feet away from the fish, it's three feet behind the fish because it's moved down tide um, because it doesn't sink. So, you know, you have to tie a fly with the right, I guess, um, combination of materials, the right sparseness or the right thickness to do what it wants to do because you're you're just essentially you're tying a fly. Firstly, the most important thing is function, right? You want it to function the way you intend it to fish. And then after that is how it looks. So that's when you combine 
you know, different colors, different materials, different way to tie materials into a fly uh, to make it do a certain thing and look a certain way in the water. So you have to think about that rather than, oh, I'm going, I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to Google some, you know, weird name crab and I'm going to wrap three tons of materials on a hook. It looks cool. I'm going to throw it because it looks cool. You know, it's got all this material on it. It's going to be resistant in the wind, but let me put some heavy eyes on it that'll, that'll make it worse that just to make it sink. I mean, you don't need all that. Yeah. Honestly, less is more sometimes. And, and, you know, fishing with um, a buddy of mine, I recently shot a show with Jared Raskob. If you look at, you know, he's probably one of the best fishing guides in the Keys. Okay. You look at his fly box, his flies are as simple as simple can get. I mean, some of them are literally a piece of marabou and, uh, and Palmer hackle, like a woolly bugger yeah. with some eyes on it. Literally, that's all it is. Yeah, no, it's it's funny you bring that up because I look at Ish's box and I'm like, I would never want to be seen with a box like this. Why? For the same just, reason? Yeah, because they're simplistic flies, uh-huh. one or two materials max. Yeah. And damn it, if they don't catch <laughs> every <huge> fish, <laughs> you know, these guide style, you know, guide flies that just do really well. And, you know, again, down here in Texas, when guys are starting out and, and guys, that, you know, we've talked to at, at expos and stuff or that ask us, uh, you know, they're not thinking about the tarpon down here. They're not thinking about other species other than redfish. So within your knowledge of redfish, what would you suggest being like your top five uh, flies for redfish that you would suggest to newbies that are looking to get into it? Yeah, I mean, if you're redfishing in Florida um, or anywhere in the world for that matter, I think redfish in different parts of the different waters act differently. You know, they, they, it's a different presentation. So say here, if you're, if you're coming down here to, to where I fish in Flamingo and the Everglades and you're looking to catch redfish, I would say a white fly, you know, anything white. Um, literally, you could tie a piece of white marabou, polymer, some EP fibers in front of that, put some bead chain eyes, a weed guard, and done. Mm-hmm. You know, so a white fly is it's going to be your do-everything, catch-everything fly. And if you're fishing for redfish, it's something that you it's a fly you can see from a distance away, and it's a fly that they can see and they'll eat. Because typically most of the redfish in the Everglades are pretty aggressive. Now, you know, I'd have I'd probably have three flies. A tan fly that's natural in color, bright white fly, and a black fly. Okay. And that'll cover all your bases. Yeah. Have them in all different weights, uh, all different sizes, and uh, make sure they get down. And can you explain like the difference in those colors again for a newbie listening? You, you know, why would you choose a, a dark over a white or even that, you know, that, that middle tan? I mean, sometimes you let the fish choose. You know, sometimes you start with a white fly, throw it at a fish, see its reaction. And, you know, if it pukes on the fly, you know, maybe I'll try black. You throw black, they puke on it. Okay, I'm going to go natural. And they'll eat one of the three. Um, and then, you know, if you're fishing, I find that you're fishing a lot of areas that have like a that hard packed sandy bottom. Mm-hmm. A little black fly has, has always worked the best for me. Just simple, a little black slider. You know. Um, Do you think it's the contrast off the sand? I think so. I think it's a contrast off the sand. They yeah. can see it well. They don't lose it, and it's also not intrusive. You know, it's 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 just a small fly, but they can see it well. Right. Um, and a white fly over grass, you know, it contrasts well. Yeah. I can see it well, and you can sneak it into the fish. They see it well from a good distance away, so they can, you know, run over, um, you know, with curiosity and go eat the fly. Right. And on those flies, are, are you looking at, at like, marabou over, like, bunny or, or 
you know, other substitutes for that, or is it just as simple as just marabou? I like marabou, and I and I like crapper. Okay. You know, for for redfish flies, I don't like bunny because bunny soaks up water. The hide takes on water and makes it heavier to cast. And sometimes you want to, you know, redfish, you want to kind of have fun, right? Sometimes you want to throw a five weight or a six weight or a seven weight at a redfish. And throwing something with a big, heavy, you know, soaked bunny strip is going to be, you know, a more daunting task than something with craft or marabou. It's just, I don't think it matters to the fish, you know, as far as what that material is, as long as it moves and has a presence in the water. And with with redfish, talking about redfish, Ish brought up uh, if you could if you could talk a little bit about a, a twenty five pound Viscane Bay red that you caught. Oh yeah, so years and years and years ago, you know they they released a bunch of redfish into Viscane Bay, and years ago we used to run into them quite often. Now you know you run into them every once in a blue moon, um, but recently. Just a couple years ago, I was with one of my buddies who's probably one of the best fly tires, um, Brian Butts. And, uh, you know, he was pushing me along there in Biscayne Bay on a shoreline where, you know, I see, I've seen reds in the past in there, but never really caught one on fly. Um, so he's pushing me along. It's kind of dark. I see in the distance, you know, a tail pop up near a cove, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, that might be a permit in there. And I've got this little shrimp fly on. This thing is, you know, probably two and a half inches long. Tiny little shrimp fly. Um, we're pushing in there, and I look at it, and I'm like thinking, okay, that pretty big fish, but it kind of looks like a nurse shark. So just I was just going to mess around with it, right? I was, you know, one of those, oh, you don't know what it is. Let me just target <laughs> practice at it. I you know, start false casting. And, and on that forecast, as I'm as that fly sailing out there, I look at it again, and I see the – those glowing peck fins that redfish have. And I'm like, oh, that's a big redfish. You know, a fly hits the water. And I don't think much of it because those big redfish typically don't eat well. Mm. And a uh, fly hits the water. I'm like, oh, I'm going to mess with this fish. He's probably going to spook or not even see this fly. So I bumped the fly once, and he kind of you know, just lurched forward and, and flared his gills. I'm like, oh, oh, he ate it. Not expected. And hooked the fish. And, you know, I was, it was nerve-wracking because I knew I hadn't hooked a redfish that big in Biscayne Bay. But we caught it. It's like a 25-pound redfish. Wow. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and, and coming up and having these cool experiences and stuff, and, and especially, like, you know, doing stuff for Howler Brothers and Maverick and, and Cortland, um, you know, what has that ascension kind of felt like? You know, is it, has it been good? Has it just added more stuff to your schedule? Uh you know, how do you feel like where you're at now compared to, you know, when you first started that, you know, would you get, did you ever think you'd get to this point? Um, you know, I've always wanted to get to this point, whether I got to it or not, it's always dependent on, on what I can do and, and how much drive I have. So I never thought I'd, I'd get to this point so soon. I knew I was going this direction, but I am happy to be here. And, you know, one thing I've learned over the years and, and, you know, some people still haven't understood is that it, it's a two-way street. When you when you sign when you sell your soul to a company, when you sign, I wouldn't say sell your soul, but when you when you sign with a, sign on with a company, it is it is a mutual agreement that you are going to provide something they want in exchange for product or money or whatever that may be, whatever that agreement may be. So you are obligated to that company. You know, you represent that brand. So when you act in a certain manner 
you have to think about it too. You know, sometimes I, I say some pretty outlandish stuff. Luckily, um, you know, the brands I work with are, are okay with it. You know, I haven't, I haven't had anybody tell me anything yet. I've had people literally come after me to try to cancel me with some of the, the brands I work with. And, you know, they've been unsuccessful, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's fun to work with these brands. You know, Howler Brothers is, is great. You know, they're based in, in Texas as well. They're in Austin. Uh, great company, uh, run by some great people. Um, and, you know, their their clothes are not just a great lifestyle clothing, but they, also their technical clothing are the best. I mean, the, the Howler pants are the best pants on the market. You know, and uh, some of the new clothes or technical clothes are just amazing. Uh, the, uh, you know, I've also had the opportunity to fish with, uh, with a couple of the owners and Howler Brothers, and they're just cool people. You know, we just, we shoot the shit on the boat. Uh, we talk about a lot of the same things, um, and, uh, you know, we all have fun. And, and they're just good people to be to be around, a good company to be associated with. You know, um, Cortland, I've had the opportunity to help them with field testing and and contributing to the design of, a, of their braided, you know, the braided fishing line, uh, some of their fly lines at different tapers and this and that. Uh, so that's been a very fun mutual working relationship with them. Now, with, with that success as well and, 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 you know, getting picked to be a brand ambassador and, and stuff like that, what's it been like to, to meeting guys like Andy Mill or, you know, Wiggins or, or just being able to be on their boats or, or have them on your boat? What's that been like? That has been fun. I mean, it's, it's a learning experience. You know, guys like Andy Mill and Tim Mahaffey have really taught me a lot, not just through, you know, not just through mentorship, like telling me what's right and wrong, how to do this or how to do that, but just by watching. Sometimes if you just stop and you watch every little detail, when somebody fights a tarpon, when someone presents a fly to a tarpon or a bonefish, you can really learn a lot. You know, forget about wanting to catch the fish. Just think about what this person is doing to catch that fish and, and the little things that they do while they're fighting that fish that make a difference. And I, and you know it's been it's been a fun learning experience having fish with Andy and having fish with you know Tim Mahaffey, and then um, you know I shot a show with with Blair Wiggins years ago, tarpon on fly in Isla Morada, and that was a fun experience. You know, working with a camera that that really helped me learn how working with a camera crew can um, can either make or break you. Mm -hmm. I'm used to getting up and getting out super early, right? So on the first day of that shoot we attempt to go to this one spot and I had, and this other guide I know um, is I knew he was going to try to race me to this one spot because a lot of fish have been swimming there. The water being a little bit smoky and the fish have been eating real well there. So, you know, I'm up boats launch camera boats in the water. We're early. We're ready to go. And before we leave the dock, one of the cameramen was like, one of the cameramen had to take a shit really bad. <laughs> I, I, I was like, can we take a shit on the water? We got to get up there. No, no, we're good. We're good. It's, it'll be quick. Right. So that five to 10 minutes or 12 minutes that he took dropping a deuce <laughs> costs us that spot. And the way tarpon fishing is here in the keys, sometimes that where you start will make or break your entire day. Mm -hmm. So literally we could not use any of the footage from day one because that 15-minute delay cost us an A spot, a B spot, and a C spot. So we were left to pick, you know, pick up from the trashy spots. And um, 
day two, I made sure to get out early. Mm-hmm. We got out early and, and we made a great show out of it. So, yeah. and that was all shot in one day. So, and, <laughs> and actually, that, that brings me into a good segue uh-huh. of, can you also talk about chumming for Cobia? Chumming for Cobia. So, our buddy Ish, <laughs> this goes back to him, will never, <laughs> ever eat a Cobia. And, and to be honest, I'm not crazy about Cobia, too. I'll eat it. <clears throat> they taste great, but it's not my favorite. So... Our buddy Ish uh, one day decides to uh, drop a deuce in a bucket and throw it <laughs> overboard, and out comes this giant catfish cobia, <laughs> eats a turd. And, and, and from there on out, from there on out, I don't think he'd ever touch cobia. <laughs> funny because we went to a, a restaurant in the Keys that served cobia sashimi once. Oh, I, I was with my best friend uh, Jeremy, and. He had some cobia sashimi. I didn't eat that. You know, I ate something else. And he was shitting his brains out for the next week. So, yeah, I, I've got a um, special relationship with cobia. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I have one of the first times Ish took me out. Um, we were, we were going through a channel, and he stopped, and he just like mm-hmm. stopped the boat, and you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, just drifting there real quick, and. I wasn't paying attention. It was like my first time on a on a proper trip with someone that you know knew what was going on, and I I turn around and he's you know taking off his shirt and stuff. I'm like, oh okay, that's we're all right. And <laughs> and, and, then, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but uh, you know that's kind of weird. Um, and, and he, he takes everything off and he jumps in the water and he's hanging off the side of the boat. Uh-huh. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. So you guys talk about Cliff like going outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the guy that. The you know was always on a boat. And that's what you do. You just jump to the water. You get you strip naked, uh-huh. and then you jump in and you hang off the side of the boat, and you just you just let it go and do what you need to do, and then get back in the boat and let's go. Logistically, I'm just I just, I, I just that's sounds, what he does. That's hey, that's what that, he you're like. Does. That's okay. That's 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 I have not the no shame hanging my ass over the side, <laughs> like, grappling on the palm platform and dropping a dude. Right, I feel like that that'd be more that'd be more like my speed. I feel like just jumping in though and hanging on for dear life. I'm like yeah. that's. Yeah. That's just I don't. You you also as if you fish with him, you also realize when he says, "Hey, you want to see something cool?" You don't look. You don't want to see something cool. You just cool. don't. You don't. No, you, know, you don't you want to you see that thing. Don't. Yeah, but again, like I'd never seen that before, and I'm just like, I'm gonna hold it. I'd, I would just hold it uncomfortable the whole day and just yeah. wait until we get back into town. Uh, yeah. So like you know, Cliff having Cliff on and talking about yeah, yeah. having uh, dances with bass on and talking about yeah. just ago. I, I I just need I just need my privacy. Yeah. Man, I guess in that moment, I guess you're you're fully in the water. You kind of have a little bit of privacy, but yeah, never again. I couldn't do that. And and he did that to me again a couple years later with uh, another buddy of mine, uh, uh, Big D, uh, Mm -hmm. Daniel. And and we're out like twenty something miles out, and we're all three of us are in a boat, and they decide to just jump in the water to go swim at dolphins, and (laughs) and I've never driven a boat. So they're they're swimming all they're, they're all swimming in there. And your boat's just slowly doing white people stuff, you know, <laughs> swimming with dolphins, and and the dolphins are going underneath them uh-huh. and looking at them. I'm like, these guys are gonna get. T- I've seen too many dolphin attack videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna be taken off, and now I gotta dr- figure out how to drive this boat back to get into that. town <laughs> and explain how the two white guys when we move the boat are no longer there. 
Yeah, they went to this. Hey, man, I bet you know, it was. Dolphins and manatees, they, they get yeah. rapey, man. Man, it was probably a special <laughs> moment. Mating season? No, you don't want to be in the water around them. So, and, and if one thing, if you follow uh, Hansen's Instagram page, you know how much he enjoys manatees. Where did this start? How did it come to be? I mean, these cows. These sea cows. Wor- sea, worthless sea cows. Worthless. Sea cows. Where did this anger yeah. come from? It's not anger. It's just um, I don't like them, but it's not anger. I mean, so why don't, I, why don't you like them? Yeah. Well, I don't like them. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think they're useless. Honestly, <laughs> they float around. They don't contribute anything. I mean, is it kind of like panda I, bears? I, we're keeping we're keeping pandas alive, and they're just the, the laziest purely things purely for our own enjoyment. You man. know, they they yeah, I mean, pandas they eat they eat bamboo, and they're out of our way, right? They don't damage our crops. They don't do they don't maul human beings that we know of. They're all right. But manatees, you know, they're in the way. There's too many of them. They're eating a lot of our seagrass, right? We, right, right. we already have issues with seagrass. Right. We have a lot of seagrass dying due to water quality issues. And it doesn't help that we have a, a massive population of manatees that are eating all the grass that's left. So, you know, that's, that's, one, that's one way to look at things. You know, I've also gone out, spent $1,000 on a lab and blueprinted prop for my boat. You know, the minute I take off, hit a manatee, done. $1,000 I just spent down the toilet, right? Um, but I do have a story about one once. I was with the guys from Cortland after ICAST, and um, we were there in the Indian River Lagoon. Uh, you know, got out real early. It's real dark. And something that's cool there is that bioluminescence in the water, right? So it's a bunch of, like, glowing, think about stars moving around in the water. So, you know, this was kind of cool. I pulled over there where I saw some bioluminescence and looked around the water. And next thing I know, I'm riding a bucking skiff because <laughs> I had pulled on top of three manatees that I didn't know were there. They all <laughs> flipped out. All right. So there's tails and flippers and shit everywhere. Sand, <laughs> being, sand and water being thrown all about. This skiff is bucking. We're all almost falling out of the oh. skiff. <laughs> and I had so much sand in my boat. It literally took me months to get all that sand out of there. Oh, man. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm not a big fan of manatees, and I, I, I tell, I'll I, tell you this. Before I die, I will eat one. <laughs> I will carve one up, and I, and I imagine it's like Wagyu beef. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So, you know, with, with – with Instagram and, you know, again, you know, like we talked about earlier, like you and I, or I know for sure, like that's kind of how I came into the game. You know, it wasn't really Facebook or Facebook at the time um, in regards to uh, Facebook groups for fly fishing. There wasn't really YouTube, uh, you know, channels to watch this stuff. It was, it was, you know, the Drake. It was, um, I, I think it's brought up, uh, was it Florida Sportsman? Is that, is that the first one you, you were on kind of lurking and doing? Yeah, I was on Florida Sportsman, Maverick Forum, uh, and I think that's where I met Ish was on the Maverick Forum. Okay. Um, and then uh, came the Drake, and, and that was a total clusterfuck. <laughs> um, you know, when you have to be initiated to be yes. part of the cool kids club by posting boobs and pie, it's kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like, not yeah. not not a lot of people right now know that all the all the kids that are coming up, uh, you know, and 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 getting into the game and throwing pictures on on Instagram, they don't know that they don't they don't they didn't get that that indoctrination. They didn't into, have to pay their dues. They didn't. I feel like they yeah. didn't have to pay their dues. I mean, because we've seen some stuff for sure, and even the short time. 
I mean, this was would have been 2010 for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, jumping into that, jumping on the fly honky board, and, you know, you're, you're putting up with a lot of stuff. You know, you could put up the coolest picture on there and be ready for guys to just be like, that picture sucks. Just rip it. Rip it yeah. out. And, and on top of that, like, oh, God forbid you put, like, a signature on the bottom, you know, with, uh, like, a water Like a watermark or oh, something. Watermark. Dude, yeah. Forget. Oh, oh, oh man. They dude. would just eat it oh, alive. Yeah. yeah. And so many people would get their feelings hurt or uh-huh. butt hurt about it uh-huh. and not want to do anything with it again. But the guys that stayed, treasure trove of information that was coming your way. It's like, if you could take the joke, if you could take the beating. Right. Yeah, dude, you're, you're cool. Right. You know? Yep. And, and that's how, you know, that's, that's really where I met a lot of my core fishing buddies was, was through that. And a lot of crap talking and being kicked off of other forums <laughs> yeah. because we were associated <laughs> with, the, with <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you develop thick skin doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I um, have, I have, I was kicked off of too cool. I am not ashamed to say I was kicked off of too cool. What's too cool? So too cool fishing. Uh-huh. And you know, if you're if you're a regular gear guy or whatever, and, and you've gotten in, in the last ten years and, and just fishing in general, that is kind of the our local uh, coastal fly fishing group. So almost like two ten fishing. Oh, okay. You're okay. gonna see a lot of dumb stuff. Right. Guys, you know, smoking their cigarettes, holding their beer, and just gilling a trout. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. Okay. So they had a, a, a fly fishing section to that that wasn't really doing very good. Uh-huh. And at that time, fly honky was in its prime, and people would come over, get their butt hurt, and then go back over there and start saying, oh, I tried to go over there, and those guys said I wasn't good. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, th- those guys are, are reckless. Well then, we went over to that one uh-huh. under the same names, uh-huh. and, and and started talking trash about it as well. <laughs> because you start seeing, you know, and and Hans, you'll agree with me. You start seeing the same damn questions. Yeah. Oh hey, yeah. What weight rod do I need to go use in this? You know, or or uh, or what what color fly line do I need? So of course you're going to answer with, well, look, green for distance. You know, the, <laughs> the green for distance. Uh, <laughs> yellow, yellow for accuracy. That's, that's really, you know, that's the, it. The yeah, I can't find it. a yellow one, man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. fingers. So about ten of us got booted off of Too Cool uh-huh. based on our based on our affiliation with the other one. Uh-huh. And then when the numbers started tanking at 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 the Too Cool fishing because no one was going to the fly group anymore, we all got. Asked to come back. Please <laughs> come back. <laughs> does, that, does that even still ex- do forums still even exist? No, anymore? they're dead. You know, we were talking. So that, okay, yeah, yeah, that was my question. I was going to ask, what do you guys think is kind of like the new forum? I mean, like you got Reddit a little Social bit. Media. Yeah, and Reddit, I feel like, is a pretty similar. I, I was a, I was the very tail end of forums. You know, like yeah. I remember a couple of them, but mm-hmm. by the time I was really like on the internet, it was. Like face or MySpace, really, but Facebook was like king at that point, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, do you think anything? It's it's Facebook, and we talked to so? Ben Siddig about this huge yeah. fly fisherman, and it was like again those. I felt like the Drake's been dead for the last six years easily. Yeah, they have these Facebook groups now that pretty much took the place of like, you know, topic specific forums. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's no groups or anything on Instagram, but I guess everybody's on Instagram now as far as posting and doing this and that. Yeah, but, you know, most of the activity that I see is on Instagram. Now, yeah. with, with Instagram, I mean, I, I don't really care too much for it. It isn't necessarily a necessary evil, especially if you, you know want to push certain things or, or get the brand out. But from what you've seen, 
making that transition over from these forums into Instagram, what's been the good thing? What's been the bad thing about it? Well, the difference is we learned our mistakes on forums, right? And that was in a smaller, more controlled group. You know, some of us have done dumb things like post a picture with shorelines and stuff like that in the background. We were given a hard time about that. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. So we learned then, you know, the mistakes we made. And it's funny that I go on, on Instagram and Facebook and social media today, which is a much larger platform with a much larger audience and a much larger potential for damage. Um, you see people make, you see all these kids, these young kids trying to make it up and trying to, you know, make a name for themselves and fishing, um, making a lot of the same mistakes we made. And, you know, now being older and wiser and having been through the ringer, we would, you know, some of us would go and advise these kids, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And you know, sometimes you're met with resistance. Sometimes you're met with, you know, that's, you make a good point. But most of the time, what I found, a lot of kids, you know, all ate up with droning everything and <laughs> GoProing every single detail, every shoreline. You know, they're, they're just ready and willing to blow things up to show what little they know. Because they want to sound legitimate. They want to fake it till they make it, right? So, you know, and I'm not trying to be negative and I'm not trying to bitch about, you know, a lot of the young kids today, like some old fart sitting on a rocking chair. <laughs> but, um, you know, but it, it would be these kids, if they were to have figured out or realized that people would be so much more open to them with real information if they had just kept their mouth shut about certain things if they have been more discreet about where they're fishing, what they're doing, and, you know, inflicting this damage to our fishery by overcrowding it, you know, if they realize that that's what they're doing, maybe, just maybe they may hold back a little bit or think twice before they do what they do. But I feel like a lot of kids just, they don't care. They just want to blow it up. Well, and also, I don't know about you, but I feel like, like especially like on Instagram, so many people have opinions that eventually you probably become a little numb to it. Like, uh, they're just, they're they, like these people in commenting are just bitching just a bitch. Like I, I don't, I'm going to take it for, with a grain of salt, you know? Yeah. yeah there, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people who bitch to bitch. And it's funny you say that because there's a, there's, you know, a certain group of individuals, I'm not going to bring any names up who initially, you know, would go and give people a hard time for posting, you know, say tarping pictures at a certain time of year. But Fast forward a few years later, they've learned how to use Instagram, and now they're the culprits doing it. Mm. You know, and, and it seems like there's this cool kids club out there, right, that's immune to all and any criticism. You know, uh, this elite group out there, if you're part of this cool kids club, you, you can do all, you can, you, you know, say, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Um, and that's real prevalent in, the, in social media today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of hypocrisy, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's fishing. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. It's yeah. it's just fishing. Yeah, yeah. How serious can you take it? And yeah. and how like from what you've seen in the last ten years, like what what do you think is the percentage of, of places that you've seen kind of get burned because of Instagram that you no longer have access to because when you go there, there's five or six boats already in there. Well, I'm, I don't want to talk about where these places are. Yeah, no, I don't want to not saying where they are. Certain fisheries in the Everglades, certain fisheries <clears throat> here in the Upper Keys and Biscayne Bay that, that a lot of people just, I would say they exploited that fishery yeah. for likes and, and shares and a free t-shirt. Um, 
you know, the most dangerous things, it, you know, to exploit these fisheries are drones and GoPros. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You have to get media. You have to stay relevant and this and that. But there's a way to do it. There's a line you can walk to stay relevant, to still appease your sponsors and, and, and partners you work with, you know, providing the media without blowing up fisheries, without showing, you know, exactly where you're at or, or contributing to crowding out a fishery. And then there are some fisheries that you know, that you know in your heart, uh, you cannot expose. And, and I remember being asked to do a fishing show, pretty, you know, a pretty well-known fishing show a while back to do one specific type of fishery. And, you know, I could have said yes and gotten all the clout, but I said, I'd rather not. I'd rather not expose that fishery to the world. Yeah. No, so, and, and it'll and you're and you're right. It comes back to bite you because we know you're gonna know who did it, mm-hmm. and and if you can't keep a secret, what what makes you think you can keep a secret with anything else? Yeah, exactly. And and when you're blowing things up, it comes back to this: do you do you love the fish? Do you love fishing? Do you love going out there, you know, and having this whole fishery to you and and a small group of buddies, mm-hmm. or do you want the whole world to know about it? But you had your five minutes of fame because of it. Yeah. Is that is that what you're going for? Do you want to be famous or do you want to be able to enjoy this fishery? You know, it's, it's a fine line you have to walk. It's, and a lot of people, you know, are, are on one side or the other. So let's go to a happy place now. Okay, what's your happy, what's your happy place? Then? <laughs> what, what, what trips do you have coming up? What, and, and what places do you, do you have on a list that you have not been yet that you want to go and fish? I'm dying to go to Australia and fish there. Mm. That's not happening anytime soon. What would you target there? Everything and anything in the backcountry. You yeah. know, they have like mangrove jacks, which are mang- big mangrove snapper here. Yeah. They have barramundi. They have Nile perch. They have all these cool fish that are like kind of a, a jacked up version of our fish here. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, there are too. certain fisheries over there where you can target black marlin off the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to experience all that at some point in my life. Not there yet. You know, I'll get there one day to have the time and, and the disposable income to do that. And, and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, but for now, you know, if I can, if I can host a trip to the Bahamas again and do something like that, I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then, you know, from, from a pro standpoint, um, what tips would you give for what your, your, your top four, your, you know, your tarpon, your redfish, uh, your snook and your bonefish. What, what, what would be, you know, for each one, if you don't mind, like, when you're looking at targeting a tarpon, what are some things in the back of your head that you need to know how to do or would at least increase your chances of, of landing one or even catching one? What would you think? Take it slow. You know, take it slow. Learn to talk to the fish because, um, you know, you talk, you're talking to the fish directly through the end of your fly line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learn the habits of that fish, how they like to be fed. Um learn their body language and it's, it's through experience and over time that teaches you all that. So being out, being out in the water, that time on the water, being out in the water. And and if you don't have, and and you work, and if you work a busy job, Mm -hmm. you don't have the time to spend all that time in the water. There's no shame in booking a guide. Yeah. Yeah. Use that resource. Yeah. That'll, that'll cut down years of experience. I mean, some of the best anglers in the world, 
are the best now because they've spent their lifetime booking a whole lot of guides. And from every single guide, you learn a little bit something because everyone's got their own little niche. Everyone's got their way of doing things, their own little tricks. So when you book guides, it, you know, you end up learning a whole lot. And, and don't go back and burn your guide by buying a boat the next year. And going back <laughs> and guide, you know, um, that, that's definitely happened down here. But, like, you know, honestly, if I had a lot of money right now, if I had some trust fund, I don't a boat. I don't a tournament boat and be and have my guide run it, but I just guide fish, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So and then you know with with uh, I'm trying to think where I'm where I'm going with this, but it, okay. So let's say you know for what you know now, and you know giving guidance to a guy that's going to be on a boat with a guide for the first time, and you know we say, hey, pick their brain. I mean, we've been on enough guided trips where we're like we know what questions to ask, but. If that wasn't the case, knowing what you know now, what what would be some of the questions you'd ask your guide, you know, that you're going out with to to make the most of that trip? Well, firstly, I'd ask the guide uh, what he would recommend. If if you wanted to do a specific something, I would ask that guide, what's the best time of year to go do this, right? And just be open to having to do something else or sit in your hotel room should the conditions not align because, you know, guides are not gods. Right. You can't, you, can't, you know, can't predict the weather up to, you know, a year in advance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just be open-minded. Uh, if you want to book a trip to do a specific something, book a trip, uh, ask, ask your guide before you book that trip what the best time of year is. And um, when you book a guide, just be upfront and honest about, you know, the experience, that you, the, how experienced you are, what you may struggle with and, and give that guide a heads up to be able to prepare to take you on that trip. Because a guide's job is to take something extremely technical and complicated and try to make it as easy for you as possible to accomplish what you came here to do and then teach you along the way. Now, you know, in, in, your, in your learning, how did you know that um, fried chicken wings would catch tarpon? You know, my years of experience and know-how. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, Ish and I would go down to the lower keys every, you know, it'd be, you know, pre-tarpon season, you know, early early in the year. Um, and we'd go down there and, and go fish for some of these resident tarpon and whatnot. And so one of the trips, I remember going down to Summerlin Key and staying down there, he, uh, wanted to show me something really cool. So we bought, you know, Eons, <laughs> bought a bunch of fried chicken and, you know, we made our way to this little pond that's, that's in like some jungle somewhere in back of Summerland. And he goes, you want to see something cool? There it is. Um, yeah, I've, it I've is. learned now. You say no to that. You say no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> right? I, I knew better. About, I was like, okay, this can go either way. We're, we're, you know, we're in the backwoods here of Summerland. <laughs> it just can go either way. But, um, so we take he takes a chicken wing and you know tosses it into this pond and you see the the you know oil stick of grease just float around it and next thing I know this like twenty pound tarpon comes up and breach eats a chicken wing. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> There's this pond back there where these fish are trained to eat chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, you said a hot pro tip: make sure the wings float. The wings have sure to the wings float. are extra greasy. <laughs> yeah, you want that oil stick <laughs> that way they just. I don't yep. know where he comes up with this stuff, oh man. Oh my god! Like I don't know who showed that to him, or or 
or he figured it out on his own or whatever, but probably like a happy you know. accident, you know. Well, I mean, I was telling, yeah, I was telling, cool. yeah, I was telling Zach, like all the guys I fish with, he's like, I just, I've been with him before, going like, how the hell did you land that? How'd you, how'd you catch that? How'd you see that? Um, you know, we, we've done some some redfish trips where you know I look up and he he's already half a mile away from me waiting yelling at me like i'm not going fast enough yeah. so it's either you're making too much noise uh-huh. or you're not fast enough to keep well, <laughs> i need to make noise to be that fast <laughs> you know and i'm doing the stupid stingray shuffle and all uh-huh. this and he's like no just just, just step go. on it man just, you know? just step on the stingray yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's hey, like man. dude you're, you're out of control but it the funny thing is is that out of all the times me and him fish together he definitely is this huge, huge fish, um, you know, huge, huge reds. Uh, but for whatever dumb reason, when it comes to bass, he, he, I've outfished him on bass. He can't, I, he can't it, it's just it. weird. Yeah, bass fish? That's his, it's, that's, it seems to, yeah, it's just, I feel like me and him fishing, when it comes to freshwater bass fishing, no. Every time. Yeah. You're, you're going to outdo him. Yeah. Now, I, there's been many times where I have to take a damn picture of him holding this huge ass red. Right. So I I have returned the favor on some nice bass. yeah nice and bass yeah, yeah. and that's yep. the, that's the only time I've been able to so just it only that yeah carp carp oh my god carp he's awesome carp uh-huh. um but that's you know I you know Hanson you say the same thing it's like you're when you when you really get into something and being just going down that rabbit hole of how to make things better you know what to do how to do that you know I feel like Ish is the exact same way. And I feel like I've been like that with the fly tying aspect. But seeing Hans and seeing what you've do, done just with, you know, your, your building your rods, um, you know, the, the fly tying and finding all these these other cool um, ways for rigging has just been awesome to watch and, and to see. Though I haven't picked up a conventional reel and rod in forever, yeah. I see his stuff and I'm like, yeah, mm. maybe, you know. It, maybe. Yeah, only for Ish to be like, take those crutches off. Yeah, the, <laughs> right. Wait, this is this is Ish 1.0 we're talking about. What do you ish mean? 2.0. Oh, yeah. Well, ish 2.0. Yeah, he's everything. He'll, he'll, he he'll is. Every, I forgot he is. He he'll has, pick up anything now. Well, kind of. To, to we, we, I think um, before last night's conversation, long conversation with him. Prior to that, our re, our previous conversations have involved nothing but learning how to use uh, spinning rods, what spinning rods to buy what kind of braid to put on and all this stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes you're in a situation where, where you have to have, where you have anglers who are younger mm-hmm. um, and you're teaching them how to fish or trying to get them into fishing. So I, I guess him being in that situation, he wants to be able to start younger anglers off with, you know, here's a spinning rod. Yeah. You'll eventually graduate off your crutches. <laughs> but, you know, he's been fly fishing for so long that you, you know when you get out of when you get out of something for a while, like with spin fishing, you don't know what the technology is today. You don't know what's good and what's bad. So I like everything. I like using a bait caster. I like using spinning rod. I like fly fishing. I bass fish here. I'll flip and pitch for bass here. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um. I like it all. Everything is fun. Have you swapped uh, over to fully braid on your conventional stuff? I have. Yeah. I have. I just I haven't found a need, at least for myself, I haven't found a need for monofilament. And that's everything, like doesn't matter what you're throwing, like you feel like braid with like a like a, a floor or a mono leader, you're good. Yep. Yep. I mean everything I'm doing just braid gives you more capacity on a small reel. Yeah. So you're you know, you're not having to use this big giant reel. You can use smaller tackle now. Um and not have to fight your equipment. You're fighting the fish. Yeah. You don't get the line um, uh, memory. 
yep, you don't get the memory, you get a longer casting distance, uh, you get, you know, just every advantage there is, you know, except for except for clear line, yeah. right? Because braid is always colored, but you know, you just put a long leader on it, and you're fine. Yeah. Now the other questions we have is. Why have you not come to fish with us down here in Texas? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Dude, I've only been to Texas once, and that was on a layover flight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am dying to go over there to fish and hunt with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, you know, it's got a place for you to go sleep on the floor. So, yeah, you know, that's, absolutely. Yeah. So we're excited for that possibility, hopefully soon, to have you finally come down so that we can crack open some bottles. Speaking of which, what's been so far your go-to bourbon? Because I know you like bourbons as well. What uh, I wouldn't call myself a bourbon connoisseur. Okay. You know, I like what I like. And, uh, you know, this, what's it called again? The, uh, the Weller, Anti- Weller oh, Antique okay. 107 has been great. Okay. That's just I like to pair my bourbons with cigars. Yeah, and you I so, forgot you are a big cigar guy as well, or at least, you know, I always see a Yeah, you know, I know my cigars more than my bourbons. What is what's been um, your top three right now that you, you would cigars? have in your box? Cigars. All right. So as far as non Cubans go, I've been really into this new one called I recently discovered called the Micarida. Okay. And it's just has a unique flavor profile. Typically cigars are you know, stronger as you, as you smoke them. This one actually starts off with a strong kick, but it gets smoother as you go down. So it's a unique flavor profile. Really like it. I've been really digging that one. You know, um, you know, another one that I smoked recently that's been pretty unique is the, uh, believe it or not, it, it's a boutique cigar. It's called the Isla Mirada. Okay. You know, the guy, the, the owner lives in Isla Mirada and I guess he gets, uh, these custom boutique cigars made, and it's actually a unique flavor profile. And of course, the Padrones have always been just the yeah. reliable. It smokes the same every single time cigar, go-to cigar for me. Uh, certain sizes that you're that you're looking for as well. I like robustos, robusto type sizes. I also like box press cigars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there you know every every size every every size cigar has a purpose like if i am fishing right i like smoking to padron, the padron 1926 number 35s it's a 35 minute smoke that's why they call it the number 35 okay um so if you're hopping if you're having to hop from spot to spot and all that stuff 35 minutes gives you just the right amount of time to fish most spots right so that's why I like that cigar because I don't want to run around like you know run for ten miles with a cigar in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, especially when yep. it's hot down here too. Sometimes it's like, man, it'd be nice, but no. After ten minutes, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. yeah. you're over yeah. it after yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Oh, and you had a big meal too. Oh, even worse. You know, it's like you need to have a meal to at least enjoy one, and then yeah. it gets super hot. And you're like, forget. Yeah, it. yeah. And we're not. coming right off of the you know, finally the weather's starting to churn, so yeah. our cigar. Days are probably numbered before it gets too out of control. It's too hot. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it's getting there. Hans, any uh, things you would like to plug? Uh, Instagram pages, websites, shoot. services, and yeah. like that? Yeah. I mean, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, just look up Tarpon WT. It stands for Tarpon Weight, but Tarpon WT. Um, and just give, it gives you an insight into all the adventures and 
hood rat stuff I get into. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And and I I feel like you you have you got your real job right now. I feel like for the longest time you you were doing the guiding. Was that full time or, or part time? You were doing the guiding right. stuff. Yeah. So as far as guiding, it's it's full slash part time. So come springtime, uh, I am guiding pretty much full time. Right, tarpon season. Everyone wants to fish. All my days are booked out a year in advance. Um, but when it comes to the rest of the year, I also have a, another IT job that I another job I work in IT. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very good. It's a very good job. I, I would be, I'd be an idiot to give that one up. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's it's it provides a good balance between the two, because I also get to fish a whole lot as well. Yeah. Do you fish? Do you find yourself fishing more uh, during that time when you're guiding, or during the time when you're working your your IT job? During the time I work my IT job, yeah. like during the off season outside of tarpon season, I'll purposely set aside days for me to go out and fun fish. Yeah, for sure. Right? I'll block those days off. Uh, but, you know, during tarpon season, most of my buddies are guides anyways, so they're super busy. They're booked up anyway, so I might as well keep myself busy too. Yeah, it's like you're going to go that, That's when I barely get the fish. I mean, I've gone, what, four months without actually fishing. Wow. <laughs> but I mean, but that's that's generally what we hear. I mean, like, yeah, when you're when you're fishing every day on the water or guiding every day on the water, it's 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 hard to make time for yourself. Yeah, you you have a you know you have a push pull stuck to your hand the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and I'm not complaining about it. I really yeah. enjoy it, especially over time. I've I've really developed uh, you know, a really good clientele. A lot of clients that I really love fishing with. We have a good time on the water. Um, they're good fishermen, and we kind of we just fish well together on the boat. And have great conversations, of course. That's that's really most of what it's all about. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. Uh, and, and and you know, it's it was cool to reach out and be like, hey, you you want to jump onto this random podcast that we're doing for fun? You know, it's it's either uh, you know as you get older, it's either what's uh, cooking barbecue, World War Two history, uh, his, uh, historical stuff, or running a podcast. And here we are doing a podcast. So that's what we picked. So I can't thank you enough uh, for being on. And, um, you know, again, thank, dude, thanks again. Appreciate it. And, and of course, appreciate you de- dealing with all of this stuff. Because <laughs> I'm sure we blew us, we blew us both we'll, up. We'll all have to sit together and deal with it together. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll come visit you guys soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, brother. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.